faithful to complete it. Have you noticed that? So the Holy Spirit is ministering to us that God has started something in our lives. And each one of you know that God has begun a good work in your life. And He's reminding you that He is the one who is going to complete it in Jesus' name. Amen? Can you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15? Luke chapter 15, and we will read from verse 11 to 24. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 24. Parable of the Lost Son. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man who had two sons. A young son told his father, I want my share of my estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved into a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the same time his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into a field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses he said to himself at home, even a hired servant have food enough to spare, and I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as your hired servant. So he returned to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger. Sandals in his feet and kill the calf we had been fattening. We must celebrate a feast. And this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. Amen. He was lost and now he is found. Amen. So let the party begin. Let us bow our heads. Most gracious and loving Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Abba, we pray that you will take this word. And Lord, each and every one will be ministered to it. We pray, Lord God, that we will not say that this word belongs to our neighbor or to somebody else. But you are preparing us on that day. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will take control of this entire place. Lord, we pray that every heart that has been here and has come into this room, you will minister to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've titled today's message as Hope for Earthing Parents. This slide, my brother. Hope for Earthing Parents. About two months ago, 
more than two or three months ago, the Lord ministered this message in my heart. And I myself have heard this message in this church and in many places myself many times. And I do remember our Pastor Leslie also shared the same message to us some time back. But I want to, le- to look at it in a different way to go into this topic as a study. And that's the reason I titled it as Hope for Hurting Parents. The deepest hurt that we experience in life comes from our own family members. Sometimes they come from our spouse. We get hurt from our spouse. Sometimes it comes from our children. Sometimes it comes from our relatives. And at times it even comes from our parents. We get hurt. Now there are different ways that we get hurt. They can be ungrateful to us. They can be unkind to us. They can be unfaithful to us. And this story that we are going to look at today is Jesus' most famous parable. It's a story that gives hope for every hurting parent. Now many of you who are sitting down there will say, Ah, I'm not still a father or a mother, so it's not for me, it's for the person next to me. Or some of you might be saying, my child is still young, it's not for me, it's for the person who's got children. I want you to just, um, I want to take a sensor. How many of you got children above 15 years, 15 years above? Just put your hands up. Can you see the hands? These are brothers and sisters that got children 15 years and above. Okay, those of you who got children who are still to be born and who got child up to 15 years, can you put up your hand? Who got little babies and up to 15 years. So it's for all of us. Amen? This message is for all of us. So it's not just for the one on your right or to your left. I am not an expert now on parenting. I am not an expert. I have failed miserably. But God is an expert in parenting. Amen? One of the things that really bothers me And in my Christian walk is I see many godly parents have children go astray. Godly parents. And I wonder why this happens to them. They are godly parents. They come to church. You see them very fervently serving God. And their children go astray. And I told some years ago like how A senior pastor that I knew, daughter comes and says that I'm pregnant. A senior pastor that I know, whose daughter never wanted to even claim their daddy as her father. A son who's caught up in drugs. And like this, it's on and on and on we see that godly parents having children go away. I do not know the answer as to that. And I don't think there's a single answer to that question. I don't think so. I see hurt. I see heartbreaking of families. When one child decides to live their lifestyle, which is totally contrary to the lifestyle of what mom and dad have taught them to live from a young age. Totally contrary. Today, we will look at the story, and I think the story illustrates... What do I do 
when my child grows beyond my control, what will I do when my child grows beyond my control? I do not want to talk about why. Please, I am not going to talk about why. Because I don't know the reason to that. Okay? And sometimes even you will not know the reason to that as to why. But I want to talk about what do you do when your child grows beyond your control? We see three stages in the story that we just read. And I take stage number one. Yes, brother. Stage number one, the rebellion of the son. Verse 11. Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them and not long after that the younger son got all he had together and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So we are looking at verse by verse and we are going to see, study the scripture. Stage one is rebellion. Every parent-child relationship begins with a struggle at some given time. And it is called a struggle for control. A struggle for control. Who is in charge here? That's the struggle. And it's called, and it's also a power control. Who wants to be in power here? At birth, you have all the authority and all the power over that child. The moment the child is born. You choose the clothes for the child. You choose the shoes for the child. You even choose the school that the child is going. But suddenly, as the child begins to grow, the power starts, the power or the authority or the rulership over the child, slowly the pendulum starts to move. From you, it starts to go to them. First thing, they will tell you, this is the shoe I want to buy. Can you buy the red shoe? No, I don't want the red shoe. I want the green shoe. Baby, but the green shoe doesn't suit you. No, but that's what I want. Either they will go flat on the ground, they will throw themselves flat on the ground, kick their legs, do everything. And if you have a smaller baby than them, they will scratch that other baby just to have that green shoe. And which is worn for one day and next day forgotten. They will choose their clothes. My, my baby... This dress is too short. Mama, you're grown too old. You want your dresses below your feet. I want to choose my clothes. They choose their college. And the child slowly starts choosing everything that they want. And your control now is slowly letting go on. Slowly it's gone. And a day comes. And it's not wrong. They will come and say, Mama and Papa, I found the man or the woman I want to marry. And your control is no more. You see it slowly moving away. We all at some time have gone through that struggle ourselves, correct? Ah, don't look at me with that Pharisee look. <laughs> we all, I was stubborn, I, I'm still stubborn. I'm still stubborn. And we all have gone through it at some given cycle. Only if I meet your parents, I will hear stories about you. Am I right, Pastor Sean? Yes, praise the Lord. So here we see a classic confrontation taking place. Look at verse 11. It says, Father, give me. Have you seen that? Father, give me. Have you seen that? It's in your Bible. 
circle the word give me. I want. This is also the prayer life of many believers. Father, give me now. We choose two scripture verses and we say this is scriptural. Give me. This child, he also knew the Old Testament. That's the reason he told his dad, give me. Because he knew the Old Testament. Rightfully, the father had to divide the property. So he knew that one day it has to be divided. Give it to me now. Rebellion is unpredictable. Please, make a note of that. It's unpredictable. You can never tell when it's going to take place or who is going to rebel in your family. You'll never know that angel-looking face could be the rebellious one someday. But I pray that will not happen to any of us in Jesus' name. Now, it's not age-related. Here we see in the story, it's the youngest son. So, when does this happen? The question is, when does this happen? And you want to know the answer? I don't know. Honestly, I do not know when this happens. But I know one thing. I have seen little babies in diapers taking control of parents. So, now you know when this happens. Okay, little children, even in their diapers... Have total control of mom and dad. Verse 13. Look at verse 13. It says... A few he, days later... Mm, he, he got all... He got all... He got all... Yeah, this, young, this young son packed up all his belongings... Mm. And moved into a distant land. Mm. There he wasted all his money... Amen. Thank you, while brother. living. This guy now heads for Hollywood. In India it is Bollywood. Pastor uh, Sean, what is it? Nigeria? No wood. Oh, okay. Some wood. <laughs> Everywhere you look. That's what is happening here. The father could not keep his child at home. No way. No way of keeping the child at home. And when does this happen? I don't know the answer to that question also. When does it happen? And I think according to the story, this took place somewhere where the child could have been is 16, 17, 18 or 19 it could be. He was a young lad. Okay. I want us to look at what do you do when your child is legally independent and you have no control because they live far away from you. Let me restate that again. What do you do when your kid is legally independent and you have no control over them because they live far away from you. What do you do? The father did three difficult things. And I think it is a model for us to show what our father, our heavenly father also does for us. Because God, our father, is a perfect father. Amen? Not any of us. We think we are perfect. But we are not perfect parents. Question. What do you do when you cannot control your kid anymore? Out of that, what do you do when you cannot control your kid anymore? Sometimes they want to live a lifestyle that is totally contrary to what you live. Totally contrary to what you taught them. And that's what they exactly want to do, opposite to what you have taught them. Number one, I want... Now, don't go and say, Brother Claudie said this, I'm only teaching you the word. Okay, please. Here are these men. You can question them. Don't come question me. I'm teaching the word of God. Number one, what did this father do? The first thing is, he let them go. Let them go. Verse 13. Look at verse 13. We are, we are studying scripture today. The youngest son set off. Have you seen that? 
the youngest son set off. Did the father chase him? Talk to me. No. What did the father do? The father released him. You want to go? You're released. From birth, we as parents are preparing our children for the day for them to go. But it's hard when the time comes for them to go. We do not know how to let them go and we do not know when to let them go. The father, no doubt, would have tried to reason with his son. He would have tried to reason with his son to tell him all the consequences. The young, the young man was determined to leave home. He made up his mind. The fact is, the tighter you hold on to your children, they will rebel against you. And the tighter you hold on to your children, one day they will explode. You have to be careful how you handle your child. I know it's very hard. It's very hard. Number two, let them make their own mistakes. That's what the scripture, I'm showing you scripture. Let them make their own mistakes. Second point, my brother. Look at it. The word of God says in 13, see, he squandered his wealth in wild living. Next point, my brother. He wasted all that his father had given him. Everything that the father had given him, he wasted. At first, the story is all about party time. He probably tried everything, especially what was forbidden at home. Parents, I want to tell you something. Everything you tell your children don't do at home, the moment they go out, they want to try that very thing. Didn't you try it? When your parents said not to smoke, you took that first cigarette. When your parents, some parents were very strict and didn't like your children to even watch cinema. And the moment you went to school, you said, I got special class and you were in a theater. Didn't you do that? Everything that mom and dad says not to do, the first thing, they will go out and they will try that out. He threw his parents' values, teachings, and out of the window, he says, done with it. Brothers, God has given you and me all the resources we need in life to do God's work. But what do we do? We throw it out of the window. Each and every one of us have given enough resources to do God's work. And what do we do? We throw it out of the window. Because we want to do it our way, our work. I want to ask, ask you several questions. Do you think that this father knew that his son was going to waste his life? Talk to me, please. Yes, the father knew. Each father who's here, a mother knows. Sometimes it's the mother who knows faster. We men are little cuckoo sometimes. My wife keeps on telling me that. You're not able to see it. You're not able to see it. We are sometimes blurred in our vision. It's the tutoring that comes from our wives that opens our mind. The father knew that this, woman, this child was going to blow it, blow it. Number two, do you think that the father knew that the son was heading for trouble? Yes. This father knew giving such a large sum of money into the hands of this little boy, he is going to blow it. Do you think that he was tempted to send letters to the child, send IMO, send message, send WhatsApp to the child while the child was going? Yes, the father would have been tempted. Some courier, whatever. Those, those days you had pigeon courier, no? Pigeons used to take. Now we have WhatsApp. He would have tried something to send, but the father didn't do anything. The father realized one thing, that my son is going to learn 
through life of pain. He'll be disciplined. His conviction came through a real life situation that was not experienced in the classroom, nor was experienced in the house. But in real situation, out in the world, it will be experienced. It's very risky, but it's so the only thing that this father could have done for his son. It was a very risky thing to give everything and say, go. Sometimes it takes a very painful situation for us, for God to get our attention, for us to change our lives. Very painful situation takes place. And only then some of us learn. Brethren, it's hard to let them go. And it's even harder to let them make their mistakes. It's very hard to see when your child is making a mistake. This father allowed his son to blow it. And the hardest is number three. Number three says, let them reap the consequences of their own choice. Number three, brother. Let them reap the consequences of their own choice. But now, look at verse 14. After he spent everything. After he spent everything. Look at that. Now he began to be in need. Look at your Bibles. Look at your scriptures. It says there, there is a price tag for rebellion. Do you know that? There is a price tag for rebellion. Now, don't be thinking it's a... I'm talking to only youngsters here. I'm talking to even parents. I'm talking to the adults. I'm talking to every one of you in this room. And you know what's the price tag for rebellion? Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Quickly. Galatians 6 verse 7. We'll see what's the price tag for rebellion. Hmm. So it says, whatever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. So everything that you sow, whatever you sow, even a word that you sow, according to that you will reap. You will not reap more than that. Amen? Verse 14. Let us look very carefully. After he spent everything, look at verse 14. There was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, into the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but not, no one gave him anything. Have you noticed that? No one gave him anything. Stop sleeping in Jesus' name. And the party time is over. Okay? Party time is over. Number two, he is broke. Number three, he is friendless. Number four, he is empty pocket. Number five, empty stomach. Number six, empty life. Have you seen that? Every party time was over and now everything was empty except one thing was full in his life. It was filled with pigs. And that should not be our portion in Jesus' name. Everything was empty. And all around him was now pigs. Feeding pigs. Many times when we rebel against God, we will never know how we land up there. We have to be very careful. The father is watching his son reap the consequences of his own choices. The father sees it. How do you think these parents would have felt when they seen or when they heard that the son was going to 
they would have thought in their heart, we raised this boy. We gave him the best teaching we known. We did everything right for the son of ours. Where have we gone wrong? They probably felt, my kid is out there suffering. And I, I cannot sit and watch him suffer by eating pig's food and sitting with swines. The heart was bleeding. They probably felt even embarrassed. Here this farmer, he's a wealthy farmer. And his, and his son is living like a bum. On top of that, he is working with pigs. What a pathetic state. This rich farmer. Please understand one thing about the story. This is not just an ordinary Jew. He is a kosher Jew. And these Jews never have anything to do with pigs. They even never touch pig. They never eat pig. They never go near a pig. And yet his son is living with pigs. What a state around him for the father to think. All embarrassed. Every report would have wanted his parents to die. Every little gossip would be like a knife upon their heart. Some of us, some of, some of, sometime we know that a parent is having trouble with a child. And we just go and ask that parent, how is he doing or how is she doing? And actually we are not asking because we are concerned. We want to know what will be the answer. And that parent with grieve in their heart will say, my daughter is fine, my son is fine. But deep inside they are hurt. They are not able to tell you the truth of what their child is going through. And we sometimes with malice in our heart we ask questions. Not with genuine love. Because we are praying for that child. Because we are praying that the child should be restored. Not because of that. So we have to be careful. That would have been the state of this father and mother. When every time when they would have gone to market. Somebody would have asked. How is your son? And see what pain this has been causing. And that's the same thing. Satan is accusing you and me. When we do wrong before our father. Have you seen him? Have you seen her? And before all the sons of God, Satan's there. And every time you go in a wrong way, he's accusing you. And how much of grief we are bringing in a father's heart. Sometimes self-righteous parents, they will say, my kid didn't do that. His friends made him do it. It's not my son. And they will look at you with a self-righteous look as if it's your fault that their child is gone. I'll give you a small example. A few weeks ago, I went to the hospital for a regular treatment and I was told that there was a brother in the hospital. So I said, okay, since I heard that this person is in the hospital, and I was there, I went to see the person in the hospital. I stayed exactly three minutes only. I timed it. In my second minute, the food came in. So I said, I knew, the food is coming, it's not the right place to be. The man has to eat. So I just, I even never prayed. I said, may God give recovery to you as quick as possible. Be healed, my brother. Goodbye. God bless you. And I came away out. The moment I came out, said, a lady met me and she said, who are you? I never knew what to answer to that question. So I said, I am Claudie Quinn. So, who are you? I said, okay, now let me at least represent from where I am. I said, I come from Bread of Life. You are from Bread of Life. You are the man who put him in the hospital. Straight away. She said, because of you, my husband's in the hospital. And I said, woman, excuse me, do I know you? Who are you? I asked her. Then she said, I am his wife. And then I said, I'm sorry if that is the case. But I didn't put your husband in the hospital. 
I said, I go to a church, but I think your husband doesn't come to our church. Oh, so not in your church. Then the other five people who came in the morning, they put him in the hospital. I told that lady, I think that was rude for to even say such a thing. Many of us, when our children do wrong, we blame the whole world. Thank God we are not blaming Pastor Abraham for that. There, there are, somebody's phone is ringing. Is God calling you? Maybe the trumpet is calling you. Quickly, switch <laughs> off your phone. My, again, sisters, could you check for your phone and put up? Please, just take up your phones for one second and switch it and put them on silent, please. Please, everybody. That's the first thing I do when I come into the house of God. The first thing I do is I silent my phone. Thank you. God bless you. There are forces beyond our control that your child has a time to make choices. His friends, because of his friends, there are choices. He sees books. He sees movies. He has a choice to, to choose what he wants to do. Mom and dad can only tell this child, son, don't watch it, but the son has got a choice what he wants to watch. I know of a kid the child was watching a movie. And the movie had blasphemous names about Jesus. And I asked that child, how could you even watch a movie that curses the God in whom you believe? And the child gave an answer that satisfied that person's choice. We as parents, as godly parents, we teach our children. Our children have choices of their own to make what they will do. If your kid has left home and they are out of control, you can tell them the consequences, but you are not responsible for their decisions. You can tell them, this, this, this will happen, my son, when you go out to the world and what you face. But it's the choices that they make, the consequences will be theirs. This boy was reaping exactly to his own decision. Now a warning to all parents, all parents who are here. There's a great temptation here as parents... And that is to intervene. Every parent, I want you to pay attention to this. The greatest danger to parents is to intervene. And mothers, I'm sorry to tell this to you. I lifted you up, now I'm going to bring you down. Women are the root cause of this. When you... Praise God. I've got to show. <laughs> Do you know what happens when your child is going gone astray or doing things of their own and they are out there, do you know what mothers will do to the father? That poor man goes to work, comes back and she will say do you know what's happening to our child? Can you send some money order quickly to them? And that man will say, give them time. No, no, send money now. Not only that you know how thin my boy looks on IMO? That guy will be holding the camera so fast, she will think, oh, how thin is? Can you send money for him? Can you send some food? That will not be enough. Then she will taunt him. Can you send what cargo also for him? Women, be very careful. When you know your child is living in error and going in a wrong way, don't push that man. Some women, what they do? Sorry, sisters, forgive me. Go, take the sex ticket. Go, bring them back. They immediately want to fetch that child to come back because they feel, oh, I want to bail out that child. Did this father do it? No. This father didn't do it. And he had all the resources to do it. He could have sent even 100 camels. 
So go bring that one guy down. He never intervened. And mothers, I want to warn you, when your child is going in a different way, do not intervene. Let God use the natural sources to bring your child back home. Amen? This father knew something very important that we all have to learn. Nature has got a way to discipline children. God uses nature to discipline children. Do not short-circuit the natural consequences that God uses on our children. Mothers, do not short-circuit it when God has His way of dealing with your children. Because the father did not intervene, we come to stage Have you seen that? This father didn't intervene. We come to stage two. And stage two, yes, my brother, re-evaluation and regret. Look at that. Re-evaluation and regret. Verse 17. Quickly, let us look at verse 17. When he came to his senses. Have you seen that? When he came, did the father intervene? No. But the child came to his senses. Some of you are praying very now. God, when is my child going to come back to his senses? When is my child going to wake up from the stubbornness? When is my child going to turn around, Lord God? When is he going to stop ruining his life the way he is doing it? You are praying that right now. Look at verse 17. Let us look at the scripture very carefully. Mm-hmm. 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 And I will go home to mm, my father mm, and say, Father, mm, I have sinned against heaven and you. Praise God. Thank you. I have sinned against heaven and you. Notice the change of attitude. He goes through a process of reevaluation, regret, and repentance. Look at that. You read the scripture very carefully. Reevaluation, regret, and repentance. Three things take process by itself, by nature. Reevaluation. Look what he says. He came to himself. He faces the fact and recognizes, Hey, this is the wrong place I am. I am doing a stupid thing. What am I doing here? This place stinks. I am living among pigs. And then he gets desperate. And when he becomes desperate, he repents and he decides and he says, I am going home. I am going home. Did the father intervene in all this? No. Parents, I want to encourage you today. Don't rush to to short circuit what God is doing in in your child's life. Don't do that. Let God, it is God who called him. Didn't we sing this song for the last three weeks? He who began a good work. God has begun a good work in your child's life. So allow God to to deal with that child wherever he or wherever she is. Don't push it. Don't short circuit what God is doing. Notice the difference here. Look at verse 12 and look at verse 19. Just two words in verse 12. In verse 12 the Bible says, Father, give me. Have you seen that? In verse 12, Father, give me. Look at verse 19. Father, make me. Wow, what a difference. From give, he says, now daddy, Make me. What do you do during the stage 
while you are waiting for your child to come to revaluation regret stage what will you do all I, there are many parents and parents who are going to see your teenagers grow god forbid if it ever happens but when that stage come what will you do do three things number 1 all parents this is what you will do number 1 you will pray you will pray and you will pray that's the first thing that you will do nothing else don't run to pillow and post all you do is you go on your knees and you give it to god and say god this is your child the reason i say that is our children are the number one target from the day they take the first breath into the world for the enemy the number one target your child your son or daughter becomes the moment they take the first breath satan wants to ruin and destroy your child satan wants to make sure that your child does not reach the destination that god has in store for for them and that's the reason you need to pray and most parents and i'm sorry to say this believing parents you only start praying when your child is become big that's wrong even before you know that your wife is conceived lay your hands on your wife's tummy and pray the child that you're going to give me i sanctify for you and i set this child apart for you many of us only when our child falls we ask everyone to pray but we ask to pray much in advance Even as a young boy you can start praying for your spouse and say God when you make me a father or when you make me a mother I sanctify this child that you're going to give to me that this child will only live for you father number 2 see what we have to do commit number 2 is commit commit your child to God don't commit your child to anybody commit your child to God the things that are out of our control is not out of God's control amen amen although we are not able to change the situation our god can change any situation in our child's life amen so commit your child to god number 3 the difficult one for every believer it is to wait 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 and wait wait patiently it's the hard thing for us as parents to do because we want to see results very soon but whatever you do warning do not short circuit god's discipline on our children's life because the father waited the son came to stage 3 because the father waited the son came to stage 3 and stage 3 is next my brother the return we seen this father waiting next slide my brother is return all parents how you handle the return of your child is very crucial look at verse 20 verse 20 so he returned home to his father mm. and while he was still a long way off mm. his father saw him coming mm. and amen how do you handle this father did three things three things that this father did remember this is an ideal father and this is god this is how god deals with us this is not a human father but this is the response of an heavenly father god does this to every rebellious child and what are they he did three things number 1 love them faithfully amen 
It says, look at, look at the scripture, it says, the father, while he was still a long way off, was filled with compassion. You are commanded to love your child. Not, not when he comes back home and he gets his life together. Not that time. He was filled with compassion even when the child was a long way off. The father never gave up hope. He knew his child will come back someday. And he allowed God the father to deal with the child. But this father did one thing. He had his arms and he had his doors opened. How many of us as parents when our child rebels against us, we have all done that. We close the door on our child. We don't want to have anything to do with them. But this father had his heart. He had his arms and had his door open for his son. Number two, accept them unconditionally. Accept them unconditionally. Look what the Bible says. It says, the father went out. Did you see that? Are you there? Sleeping? It says, he threw his arms around him. Look at what the Bible says. He went out. Who's going out? The father went out, threw his arms around him. The father ran to him. The father kissed him. The father hugged him. Notice, he did not set any conditions for this child. He never told this child, listen, go, you stink now, go home, first thing have a bath, second thing I have shaved, third thing put cologne, then come, I will kiss you, I will embrace you. The father didn't say that. While the child was still smelling, while the child was still dirty, he embraced him. Doesn't this show you the picture of God our father? While we are stinking in sin, while we are smelling in sin, while we are doing all the filthy things, and when we go to God our Father, He embraces us. Amen? Perfectly. Now, question. Some of you are saying, how can I accept my child by lowering my standards? I cannot lower my standards. Do you know who I am? I am the dash, dash, dash of, of dash, dash, dash. We, we put degrees and qualification against us. What if God put degrees against His name? We will all not last. How can I accept my son when I don't approve of his lifestyle? Now the question is, there's a problem between acceptance and approval. I want you to be, pay attention. There's a problem because we confuse between acceptance and approval. Acceptance says... I love my child because my child is mine. And that's what God accepts us. God made you so I will love you. But I will not approve your lifestyle. I will accept you as my child. But I won't approve your lifestyle. Sometimes in ministries and when a ministry leader does wrong, we confuse this too. We, we join and we push that person out. We do not bring that person and, and restore that person. God accepts us. He doesn't approve our lifestyle. We do all chaos. But he approves us as his sons. Verse 21. And son, then the, yes. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I am no longer worthy to all your Now the thing is, I, I think it's a very important question we need to ask ourselves as parents. Parents, please pay attention. Do you make it easy for your kid to admit when they are wrong? 
or do you make it very difficult for your children when they say they are wrong? How many parents, we don't make it easy for our children. Some time ago, I was, I was ministering to a child, I will not even use the gender. And this child, while I was talking to the person, said, Uncle, I messed up. I did everything contrary to what mom and dad wanted. But I like one thing that my mom and dad did together. That when I came back, they never questioned me. They never questioned me, uncle. And up to today, they have never asked me why. And she says, I see the love of God in my mom and my dad, this person told me. And I wept with this child. And I said, God, thank you for putting a godly family that they have demonstrated to that child that a child is able to see the love of God in their mommy and daddy. No questions. No questions. Took back the child and ministered to the child. Number three, forgive them completely. Forgive them completely. We have to run through it because it's time. Verse 22. But his father said to his ser- to servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring on his finger, sandals Okay, when you love, when you forgive them uh, completely, many parents make this mistake. When the child does wrong, they say, remember the time when I corrected you and you didn't want to listen? And you are suffering because of that? Remember that you never took my advice? This father never said anything like that. He didn't say, you blew half of my wealth. He didn't say even that. The father forgave him completely. And that's what our Heavenly Father does to you and me. When we go back to Him, He forgives us completely. Notice three things that the Father did. Three things. Number one, we had a glimpse of this in last week's message. Beautifully given to us. And that was my confirmation actually, to know that I had to speak today this word, because I got the confirmation in last week's message, when our brother gave it. Number one, bring forth the robe. Number one, and robe represents... Relationship, sonship. The first thing the the father said, bring forth the robe, he is back in the family. Number two, put the ring on his finger. And I I pondered over this, and we heard this from our pastor Leslie, and even from last week's message. The ring was a sign of signet, that means authority. Now, when you put your signet ring on a piece of paper, it's like a blank check. That means it's endorsed. The Roman ruler, when they put the signet ring, this father put the signet ring on a child, it means he has given him an open check, or like a credit card. Take son. Everything that you do is now open check. Have you seen that? The signet ring was a sign of authority. Everything, I give it back to you. And God also puts a signet ring on us the day we give our life to Christ. The day we accept Jesus, all authority that is in heaven and on earth is given to you and me in Jesus' name. But it depends what we do with that authority. That's the most important thing. Would you accept your child when he's returning home? Would you do that to your child? Or will you tell the child, I have to wait for six months to see there's a change in your life? Or will you give that child totally and say, your child, take over, you have come back home. Number three, restore the full relation. Restore 
to full relation. The father gave this child responsibilities. How many of us, when our child comes back, we don't give them responsibility. Here the Bible says, he put sandals on his feet. It means, you are time, now you need to work. He put a ring on his finger. Now it's time for you to take authority and to work in the father's vineyard. This story is called the prodigal son. But actually, this story is the loving father. That's the meaning of the story. Not the prodigal son, but a loving daddy. And that should be the desire of every father in this room. The fact is, this shows that God also does the same way when we rebel and we go back to Him. Conclusion. This story has a happy ending. But for many of you who are here, the ending is still not happy. You're still waiting for your son or your daughter to come back. You're still waiting for a restoration. You've got a child out there in the world. Your child has left you. Maybe they are working. They are there in the world. Maybe they have rejected everything that you taught them from birth. Maybe they have hurt you deeply. They have ridiculed all your teaching. They have rejected all your counsel. They have rebelled against every authority of yours. And they have even made you shed tears in the night. Maybe you got a child. This story has a happy ending. But you are waiting for your story to have a happy ending. And I pray in the name of Jesus that your story will have a happy ending. Amen? Amen. God wants to restore us. And last week we heard at the feet of Jesus. Beautifully. That's what it's told today also. Take your hurt and bring it to the cross. Only at the cross can healing be restored. I want to say something. Some of you who are here, you will say that you got your own way of living. Suppose you are stranded in the center of the ocean. You are with six other people in the ocean and you are on a boat. You are sitting down there and you don't know what to do because the six other people are your family. They are not doing, there is no WhatsApp, nothing. And you are looking at each other's face and you are getting bored. You are so bored up because for, for days you are sitting in this boat. And suddenly you take out your pen knife and you start digging a small hole under your seat of this boat. And someone looks at you and says, hey you dummy, what are you doing? Stop it! You are going to sink us all and you say, wait a minute, this is my life. I will do what I want with the place I am sitting. But you, you fail to realize the hole that you are digging under your seat is going to drown everybody with you. Every decision and consequence that you do will affect people around you. Never tell yourself, this is only me. You have your mom, you have your dad, you have your brothers, you have your sisters. Every action of yours, even in the church, even in the church, every seat that is occupied, every action of yours, there is a consequence to it. Maybe you are saying, ah, even in your marriage, who you decide to marry will have a consequences. Even the job that you decide will have consequences. You will touch people's lives for every action of yours. I want you to remind you, and I want to close. Sorry, Pastor, I took extra time today. The Father is waiting for you to return home. No, Amen. Our father is waiting. Now, all of you are saying, Brother Claudie, this is for the rebellious son. This is for the rebellious child. I want to ask you a question. 
Are you not a son and a daughter in his kingdom? Hasn't he not bestowed upon you all authority? Has he not given you everything that Jesus had, he gave it to you? All authority that is in heaven and on earth has been given to you. What are you doing with it? Is the question. What are you doing with it that God has given you? Are you squandering it? Are you taking that and living a messful life? Or are you investing it into the kingdom of God? Let us pray. Let's remain in an attitude of prayer. Let's just for a moment think of what God has spoken to us this afternoon. Let us not talk right now about your child, your neighbor's child. Let's talk about you and me. You are a child. At least you can say you are a child of God. But the whole question is, are you rebelling against God? Today, are you rebelling against God? Give me, is that your daily conversation with God? Give me, morning, afternoon, night, is that the only thing that you talk with God? Take a moment and think, has the time come for you to re-evaluate your life? Is it time for you to turn to God and say, Make me your servant. Stop this give me and say make me. Because when you say make me to God, God turns and says, I make you my son. I make you my daughter. Today God has clearly told us that he is waiting. He is Calling us to return to Him. I don't know which pigsty you and I may be sitting in. That doesn't matter. God simply says, I am waiting. Come back to me. Return. The robe, the ring, the sandals, they are waiting. It's yours if you only choose to return. The young man in this story realized his situation. He returned. What about you and me today? God did not give us this story. God did not give us this message for us to sit back and say, that was a very nice message. And then I go and do what I want. Back to my pigsty. God gave us this message so that you and I will repent. That you and I will return to God today. Take a moment. If that's the decision you have to make, take it. Make it. Receive the rope, the ring, and the sandals. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Father God, for speaking your heart out to us this day, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for today you have given us that call once again, Lord Father, to return to you. Help us to realize the consequences of our actions, Lord Father. Every word we say, every thought we have, everything that we do, Lord Father, that moves us away from you. Father God, I pray, Lord, that that will stop right now. That every one of us in this hall this day, Lord Father, will choose this moment, Lord Father, to return to you. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. Thank you, Father, for your servant whom you have used this day, Lord Father. For bringing your word across to us so powerfully, Lord Father. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to anoint him, Lord Father. That he will bring us your words powerfully each time he stands at this pulpit, Lord Father. Father, I pray, Lord, that your blessings will be on him and his family, Lord Father. That they shall be blessed as they serve you, Lord Father. We thank you, we praise you, Lord. Father, I commit every one of us into your hands. Help us to remember all that you have told us. Help us to make choices the way you want us to make choices. Help us to take decisions that will make heaven rejoice. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.